0: Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Of course, the obvious story right now isn't unique to Amarillo. The COVID-19 coronavirus has caused upheaval all around the world. Things are changing rapidly, and all of us are having to make adjustments. If you listen to our most recent episode, you'll know that I'm temporarily changing the format and frequency of this show. I'll be reaching out to members of our community over the phone, not in person, to hear what's happening in their worlds, in their businesses, in their organizations. But before we start, a quick sponsor message. Hey, Amarillo is sponsored this week by WIC Realty. WIC helped me buy and sell a home at this time last year, and in a city filled with realtors and real estate companies, they are truly one of the best. What I really love is that WIC is invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people. So when normal life resumes and you're interested in buying, selling, building a house, if you're looking for investment property, talk to the outstanding agents at WIC. Visit WickRealty.com. That's W-I-E-C-K. Okay, this is Chapter 2 of Amarillo's COVID Chronicles. Each of these interviews was recorded the afternoon of Sunday, March 22nd. Things may have changed by the time you listen. Here's the show.
1: My name is... Charles D'Amico. I'm a franchisee of Jimmy John's and the president of Blue Rock Holdings and Blue Rock Consulting, which is the franchisee of Jimmy John's here in Amarillo, Lubbock, and Santa Fe.
0: Okay, Charles, I know that um, over the past few days you've been um, making free sandwiches available for uh, kids who need it. So tell me me what you've been doing and, and kind of what led to that.
1: Well, uh, I guess it kind of, a little bit of a backstory it goes back to my mother and my grandmother kind of raised me to do charitable work like crazy growing up in Metro Detroit. And uh, my grandmother used to teach me how to do laundry and stuff when I was young. And I was the and go, why? And she's like, if you can, you do. And she kind of just ingrained that in me for the longest time. And now I catch myself saying it all the time, like just all the time. And when we were, when all this kind of happened, everyone was kind of freaking out. And I just kept saying, I feel so helpless. I just, I feel, I wish I could do more. And I was like, I just kept hearing my mother and my grandmother going, you can. And I was having a conversation with another owner and he was like, yeah, but aren't you concerned about the financial part? I'm like, well, we're all screwed financially. So I can't make a decision based on that. I just need to do what's right. If I can, I should. So I am. And that's where we came up with the idea. I know so many kids growing up in Detroit, that was one of the big problems whenever there was an issue with the schools that when they shut down during strike time, kids weren't getting fed. And, and I was watching news article, new, you know, news articles were talking about all the kids that aren't going to get their meals. And I know the schools are going to do their best to rally, but kids can only get so far sometimes, you know what I mean? So I was just yeah. like, if I can just be in other options, then awesome. Anything I can do to help, I'll I'll be there. So
0: what has been the response since you made that, um, that announcement? I, I saw it first on Facebook.
1: So we did the announcement on Facebook. Uh, Clint Breakbills uh, did a really good job of helping us get the word out. Eric Slater on 1079, KGNC, a lot of our radio partners um, helped pump it Thursday and Friday. The first couple of days we thought it would take some time, and then we figured next week would ramp up. Thursday, I think we only fed about 50 kids. Uh, Friday, just in Amarillo alone we did 200 kids between all seven locations and three cities we did just under 500 kids so we were thinking at that rate we might be able to feed close to 3000 kids a week between the three the three cities which would be kind of a pretty cool thing
0: yeah so, what kinds of impact beyond that um has this had like on your restaurant staff like like what are some ways that you're trying to protect them as the they continue to serve <laughs>
1: It's just the morale,
0: man. Like you can't, I mean, we're all going through such a
1: a rough time. You go to work, you're slower than normal. Everyone's scared. They don't know. You know what I mean? I remember one of the managers in Santa Fe, she's actually one of my best GMs from Amarillo. I moved her out there to help me turn the market around. And she said the first free sandwich they gave away made everyone feel like this weight had just been lifted off their shoulders. Really? It was just, it just made everyone feel good. And it was just like, it was the first time, there was just something positive in a week. You know what I mean? Like it was that first kind of, well, if we're slow, who cares? We're at least doing something good. And yeah. it was just, you know, that was, it was more about those two things than anything else. You know, I'm, I'm tired of so much negativity. Let's do something positive. You know, I saw um, Clint break those posts, you know, Hey, we need a, we need any, anybody who can donate, you know, masks and gloves or anything to the, the nurses and the, the hospitals. that we know. And I tagged in there. I said, you know an office that's closed that does this? Please email me. I will buy them lunch the first day they're back in office. Hmm. Um, but he texts me. He's like, "Do you have an end in sight?" And I was like, "No. I will continue to bribe people with sandwiches to do goodwill as long as I can." <laughs> like, like it's, I don't know. It's what's the tool I have, and if I if I can use it to continue to, even if someone doesn't take me up on it, but it nudges them in the right direction that's all I'm trying to do at this point is just to keep trying to spread some goodwill. That's it. I'm just, I know that's how I was raised. If you can do it, you do it. You just do your best to keep helping.
0: Okay. I know you've got, you know, to, to switch from the business side to the personal side, I know you've got a young family. Um, what are some of the things that you have changed just within, you know, your family and your home, uh, to, to try to protect each other?
1: Under the current state, well, I mean, growing up in the, in restaurants and then also having a, a, a lot of family members in the health industry, I already had a lot of really good, I guess, health or hygiene habits as it is. Um, you know, washing your hands a lot. And, you know, if someone's sick, I mean, even in our restaurants before this, um, if some, one of my managers is sick, I just send them home. You know, if you're worried about your hours and you get back, we'll, we'll find you hours. Don't worry about it. And if you, if you need the money, if you need a hundred bucks for your cell phone bill, I'll just give you the hundred bucks. We'll deal with it later. Um, I don't, because at the end of the day, two things happen when someone works sick, it's never just one person. Now it becomes six or seven. So it becomes a bigger problem. And so I was just, when, when I became an operator and an owner, that was one of the biggest things I was a proponent of was quality of life. I'm not, we're not financially rich enough as a company that I can give all these people paid sick leave yet. I mean, we're going to have to, we'll figure it out, but I mean, before this. So what we did is we just did our best to manage it. If you're sick, you go home, you need to go to the doctor. we got a great relationship with a couple of urgent cares. We'll do our best to take care of you. If you need some money, we'll figure it out. And then when you get back, we'll get you some extra hours and we'll just, we'll work through it. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how we've been. Even now is just, I have a side of caution, man, wash your hands, take care of yourself. If you're worried, just take the extra couple of days. If you need it, we'll figure out the rest later. It's better to, to be safe. I mean, you can always go too far one way or the other, right? You can be the kind of conspiracy theorist like no, or you can go way to the other end and be freaked out. I, I always say you plan for the worst. So do your best to manage everything, but kind of hope for the best, and, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle, you know, you hope it's not as bad as it can be, but you, you still got to act like an adult and protect yourself and others around
0: you. So What's something that's bringing you hope, that's, that's giving you optimism right now?
1: I've been in worse places in my life, so if I know I can survive that, I can survive anything. I've been so broke, I had to share a bed with my mother and my sister, and we had to decide who got to sleep on the twin bed that night. And staying at my aunt's house for a year plus, and you, get, you have three different outfits you get to choose from for a year. You know, going to school, feeling that shame, and I've been that kid. And having, you know, watching your mom drop weight because she there's enough food in the house, you know? And I've been through that stuff to where I just look around and go, well, I, there's also people in third world countries who've survived far worse than what we're going through now and what we're working as as a group. We'll get through it. And then the other thing I said on the radio was, if this is our hundred year stamp, right? This is our big thing. It still is a blip on the radar.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Like to put it in context, this isn't red lines. This isn't melting down pots and pans for the war effort. So this is it. This is our huge OMG for our generation and our parent, you know, that hundred year span on either end. It's still kind of a blip and we should be so grateful that this is the big thing that we have to deal with.
0: All right. Charles, thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. My name is
2: Lytton St. Stephen. I uh, founded the Panhandle COVID-19 Home Help uh, group on Facebook.
0: Lytton, what was the inspiration to start up that group initially? Like, What prompted that?
2: What prompted it, I think, was really looking around at you know how the... COVID-19 virus, the like coronavirus was kind of going around and affecting um, other countries and the, and the populations and communities in. And what I was seeing was that a lot of people were saying that they were displaced because of it, because, you know, a lot of businesses were shutting down because it's so contagious. And so they're just for safety having to quarantine and things like that. And so many people weren't able to work and struggling um, financially and even just like maintain their homes or get food and things like that. And then, of course, we realized, you know, as it progressed, we understood like it was um, really kind of affecting some of our more vulnerable populations who might have a hard time just on a good day getting out to get groceries or things like that. And then now we have this, you know, virus on top of it. It just made me really think about a lot of different populations who would be suffering and might be having a difficult time as this kind of swept through. So, my goal was really just to try to, I initially tried to find, you know, kind of found something that would just help, like, our our little community here in Amarillo. I thought I had seen some that were nationwide groups that I really thought were, like, had were at, at the time, even when I first saw them, were really pretty new and didn't have more than a, maybe a couple thousand people, and that was nationwide. And then I thought, well, it'd be great to have something here in Amarillo because I, I love Amarillo and I love the community here, and I really thought this maybe this would be a good way to help each other.
0: What day did you launch the group?
2: I launched it on, I believe it was March um, 16th, yep, last Monday. Okay. So we're not even, well, we're, as of today, today's Sunday, we're not yet a week old, um, but we're getting close to a week old.
0: And tell me about the, uh, the exponential growth of this group since, since you launched it that day.
2: Yeah. Um, so I launched it late that night cause I was at work and then I got home and I thought, okay, I, I want to start something, you know, I need to get something out cause I feel like this is starting and I really wanted to get it ahead of, you know, before I I felt like it really was going to sweep through the area like, in a real way before we really felt the brunt of it. So I was, the goal was to try and just connect people before we actually were in the midst of real crisis, which I think is will be the case. So, um, so I started it late at night and then, uh, I think it was, you know, like, ooh, it was like nine or 10 or something like that. And then I l- launched it and made it live. And then, um, uh, you know, people were sharing and I asked some folks, can you just share this just around with your friends and things so we can, just, we can get connected. And then, um, I don't know, I think I went to bed that night, and it was already, like, close to maybe 400. I went to bed quite late. I tend to go to sleep quite late, so it was, you know, well into the early morning, but it was about 400, and then I woke up the next day, and it was about um, into 500, somewhere in there, and then it just, I couldn't believe it. It just kept growing, and I was surprised every time I would look at the page and just see that more and more people were, um, you know, continuing to join.
0: Where is it right now? I,
2: as of this moment, we are at... 14,310 members.
0: And so obviously since then you've had to enlist, you know, a, a few more friends to help you administer the group, um, you know, to to kind of wrangle something that's that's gotten bigger than you.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. This
2: <laughs> this would not be possible with just me. Uh, it very quickly became well without like outside my um ability to to kind of wrangle it. So, yeah, I I kind of was scrambling to to find some other admins who would be willing to help me um, just to to kind of, you know, keep an eye on the page. Initially, I, I had an idea of what I wanted it to be, but it was growing so quickly that I realized, honestly, this entire time since last Monday has been just so much, like, evolution as far as, you know, figuring out exactly how to get this to work well. Um, and as we've grown, which is great, like the more people we have in many ways, that means we have more people to mobilize, uh, more people who are willing to help other people and, you know, we can help a lot that way. Um, but it's, it's also been, you know, kind of growing outside the bounds of what I had envisioned to to begin with. So, yeah, luckily, luckily, I have so many wonderful people around me who are willing to just volunteer their time. And it is, I mean, it's, it's like a job. I feel like I've become a social media manager in yeah. the space of, you know, less than a week. Um, and and thankfully, I have so many people who are willing to help with that, um, just out of the kindness of their hearts. You know, they'll get on and, and help me quite a lot. And we're able there just by virtue of, you know, volunteer efforts of just many wonderful, kind and generous people to have something that's actually... I think pretty functional, you know, to actually meet people's needs in in real ways, like neighbor to neighbor, boots on the ground, grassroots kind of ways.
0: Yeah can you can you give me an example of how that is happening? Like, um, you know, someone who has posted a need and it has been fulfilled by someone on that page, kind of stranger to stranger.
2: Yeah, you know, here's an interesting thing because so I I look at this page a lot. <laughs> um, I have admins who come in, and they'll kind of, you know, field the the, the uh, submissions that come in because I have it's it's closed for all major uh, like submissions to the page. I have what are called asks and gives, and so those always have to get fielded through the admins. But so I have people doing that. But I usually am kind of on in the background, looking at things and kind of just making sure that no one has none of my admins have to field anything that sh- really should probably be something that you know maybe I should uh, kind of field. But they're definitely at the grassroots level, I I can see a lot of, there's, like, folks who I I can see just on the page who are people I don't know, but who will meet up and kind of put out their, like, you know, maybe they need whatever, like, if it's a thing that they need, for instance, and we're seeing a lot of, like, toilet paper and um, Clorox wipes, uh, food, actually, a lot of things like that that seem like real needs, um, masks and things like that. So, they'll put that out there, and then it's, it's honestly amazing to me how quickly... Um, other people will come in and say, how can I help? What do you need? Like, how can I get this to you? Um, and I've, I said initially, you know, in the, um, like video that I posted to the page, uh, just to try and explain it a little better that, you know, you can pay or you don't have to pay. And that's actually worked really well. There's been so many people who, are more than willing to donate. And I know just honestly, I know so many of my own admins and myself included have all done the exact same thing. We've all donated our time, not just to the page, but actually gone out and delivered, you know, food and um, medicine or um, things like that to people in the community Um, ourselves. And, and, you know, that just comes out of our pocket. They'll they'll buy it and bring it to someone. Um, Like, so that's kind of interesting. It's really beautiful to me to see that it's not just people on the page and we're just sitting in the background kind of like feeling things like we're out on the ground helping that happen too. Um, So I feel like it it is a real, you know, labor of love. As I've mentioned several times on the page to different folks, like this is a labor of love, not just for myself, but I think for, you know, all the admins are helping me as well. And, and also just between the community, you can really see the, like everyone's kind of doing this because they want to help each other. Um, so that's been, you know, it's given me a lot of hope because um, this is scary. It's a scary time. We don't know, you know, what the future holds, but it's really nice to feel like we have each other's back and that, you know, we're not having to. They're all here in our, in our kind of isolation, our social distancing, which maybe is, it's hard to navigate that, you know, when you're used to being a little bit more social, even if you're, you know, a natural introvert. I think this is getting to the point where it's a lot, it's a lot more than just a natural, you know, introvert space. And so for anyone, this is kind of a hard time, and it's really nice to feel like there's still community out there. Um, and that we can still rely on each other even while we're kind of in our own, you know, isolation pods.
0: What should somebody search for on Facebook if they want to join the group or find it?
2: So they can certainly just um, type in the name of the group, which is Panhandle COVID-19 Home Help. Uh, they can, they'll find us there. I think um, that's an easy way. I, mean, when they, I think when they get to the page, you know, there's a lot of different ways to kind of navigate it. I think we're hopefully getting, I know it's a little, it feels a little bit difficult like the, rather than other groups. And, and that is intentional just because, um, other groups, I think it's just open posting. So, which is fine. That works well sometimes for smaller groups, I think, but we, I really wanted this to be something that people could find a way to really navigate it. You know, once they kind of got the hang of it, it would be really useful. And, you know, um, that's why it is structured. I think a lot more, um, strictly maybe than other facebook pages i've seen um and and there's a good reason for it and i think so far it's worked well people are actually you're getting linked to who they need to get linked and that's honestly a lot of what the admins do is to is just try to link people where they need to go and help them understand how to navigate the page so that eventually as we as the page grows um you know the members also become more literate in the way that we're structuring the page as well
0: all right Okay, Lytton St. Stephen, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, it was absolutely a pleasure. Thank you.
4: This is Katie Wick. Um, I'm the broker of Wick Realty here in Amarillo. Uh, I've been in business for close to 19 years now.
0: And I am Seth Wick. I teach high school English at Boys Ranch High School. Okay, and uh, you two are married I'm just putting that out there, making sure you knew. (laughs) Yes.
4: No, thank you.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so I'm going to start with um, asking different questions of each of you uh, because you're doing different things right now. So, Katie, uh, we'll start with you. Talk to me about the immediate impact that the last week or so has had on your business in the real estate world.
4: I looked back at the last, since the 13th of this month, To see what properties have been listed, what properties have closed, and what properties have currently gone active. So within the last week, the properties that have been listed is 96 properties. Okay. The properties that have gone under contract is 129 within the last week. And then the properties that have actually closed, so they were currently pending, uh, was ninety-eight properties, and I didn't do any kind of, you know, price range or anything. Just I kind of just ran numbers on what has happened within the last week. Uh, Most of them that have pended or closed were properties that were under the three hundred thousand price bracket. Okay. So I feel like that's just something, but I don't know, you know, I don't know what exactly. That's kind of feel, been what the last year has been
0: anyway. Do you, do you feel like that represents maybe something that was in motion, you know, two or three weeks ago, whether it's getting the house listed? I mean, something that may have started, you know, before things began to impact our daily lives.
4: For sure. I mean, I have, I have three listings next week that i'm supposed to be listing and i've been asked that question by all my listers like should we wait should we list and i have told them you know just let's proceed with what you guys feel comfortable with but you know you never know if there's that buyer out there who's going to want to purchase your house if you put it on the market you know because interest rates are good and things are still closing and things are still pending so um I like to look at the numbers of the that the properties have pended, and that was the high number. That was the hundred and twenty nine properties that were you know going under contract within the last week. So that means these buyers are still looking and still putting contracts on houses.
0: What kinds of things are you telling your agents just in terms of their own Self protection. I mean, you're you're if you're showing a house, you're meeting strangers. You know, you're walking into a stranger's house in a lot of cases. I mean, what are some of the ways that that maybe your agents are starting to change how they do that?
4: Sure. So, I've told all my agents, you know, stay in unless you absolutely have to go out. But a lot of them are still showing. Um, I showed yesterday. I have an agent showing today. We do have. A thing an app called the Showing Time app, where when people schedule properties, they um, have to call showing time. So, what showing time is saying is that we need to make sure we ask our clients, Have you been around anybody with the symptoms? and if so, or do you have any of the symptoms? If so, you know, don't go, right? Um, so, that's kind of the precaution that we're taking. Um, I asked my clients that yesterday. And they said, no, we haven't seen any of the symptoms yet. So um, we went ahead and looked. And we are, you know, advising people to use hand sanitizer after they go and look. Um, We are not doing open houses right now because we just feel like we can't ask those questions before people come in, you know, Um, to protect our sellers. So that's, that's some of the precautions that we're taking.
0: Okay, I want to switch to you, Seth. Um, Tell me what's happening right now with you as a teacher and and also Boys Ranch in terms of education.
5: Teaching has been, everybody up and down the line from the commissioner all the way down to our principal has said this is unprecedented. Uh, There's not really a a guidebook for how to handle this. Uh, I know as far as Boys Ranch goes, before we left for spring break, Every teacher had to have some sort of plan in place in case we didn't come back, which was kind of the expectation. Um, And at that time, my plan was to do stuff online. Uh, Most all of our kids at Boys Ranch, at least, have have Chromebooks, and I've been teaching through Google Classroom all year. So it hasn't, it'll be an adjustment because I won't be physically in a classroom with kids, um, but the workflow will be handled in the same way it's been handled all year. But it's been it's it's been interesting to watch and uh, honestly pretty encouraging to see all my colleagues brainstorming ideas for how to um, help their kids receive the education.
0: I I know you are a teacher and you're not like administration at Boys Ranch, but do you have a sense, you know, with so many, um, you know, so many boys and, and kids that live in community there? Like, is it possible to take extra precautions just for their daily lives there?
5: Uh, gosh, you know, the, the communication that I've received from administration has been, um, that the kids will be relatively quarantined. So there's about 12 kids in a house. Um, they'll be, um, pretty quarantined to their, to their communities, um, their houses that they live in. Um, so if they move around campus and do stuff, um, they will be doing it together as a group and not interacting with other houses. So uh, that's so that's that's kind of how they're handling that. They won't be doing dining hall as a big group anymore, okay, at least for the next
3: couple of weeks.
0: Could the two of you tell me what kinds of personal habits you've you know you've changed within your household? I know you have younger kids at home so so what is different just in the way that you live your lives outside of each of your respective workplaces?
4: So yesterday, my kids. I take my kids to work with me a lot, to showings, to closings, um, just because I like to be around them, and they're really good kids, uh, so yesterday, all three of my kids wanted to get out of the house and go, because they knew I was going to go show houses, and I said, I can't, I can't take you, and that was, that was upsetting, you know, for them and for me, that I couldn't take them to the, you know, showing, and then we were going to go get a snack afterwards, um, So That's changed Our kids have just stayed home Since we got back in town Last Tuesday Mm. from vacation um, And they just haven't been out So That's basically I mean they haven't been around Very many people And then I'm working mostly out of my home Which I do that often Uh, But Unless I have to get out I don't so that's, that's the change for me and for Seth.
5: Um, well, I'm, since, since I'm in charge of education at this house, <laughs> um, i I'll be, I'll be teaching from home into the next, for the next few weeks, maybe even unforeseeable future. Um, but I'll also be handling my kids' school work, uh, that Amarillo ISD assigns them. So, I'm um, we're. We're doing some, we're building some stuff, uh, like schedules. What are we going to do in the morning? If you're done with your schoolwork, uh, what kind of activities can we do to make sure that we're uh, not being bored out of our minds and getting into fights? Um, I've, I've played a lot of catch with my sons the last two days. So.
4: Yeah. And I, I have had a huge change of my office dynamic. Um, we have, we run property management out of our office. So we've put where the renters can't actually come into our office. They have to just put their rent or any, anything they need from us in a box outside the door. And then also I can't go to any closings with my clients. So my clients are the only ones that can go to the closing is what the title companies have set up. Okay. Just certain title companies that I've talked to. Um, and I, I love to go to my closing. That's one of my big things. Um, so that that's kind of different, you know. That they they have limited that.
0: Okay, and then just one last question for each of you: What is something that's giving you hope right now?
4: I think that everybody is staying positive and offering, you know, hey, we have we have enough toilet paper. Hey, we have, you know, we have chickens. We have eggs. Um, we we have a lot of people within town who have resources that. We feel like we can all come together And help each other um, That's encouraging for me uh, And also that My clients are still wanting to list their properties Next week That's encouraging And that I'm still showing houses So that makes me feel like Things are still progressing And I know the Lord's in control Of all of this So I, we just have to kind of Ride out the storm a little bit You know <laughs>
0: What about you,
5: Seth? I think uh, hope is a bit of a practice anyway that you have to kind of maintain. Uh, this, is, this is not the first dark time that we've been through, or me personally. Uh, so practicing things that would be giving you hope, uh, enjoying the people that we have, uh, finding something to be thankful for every day has been good. Um, we woke up and went to church this morning on TV, which was strange. I know there's a lot of community stuff going on I saw on Facebook there's a huge group of people sharing resources and buying groceries for people that can't get out what a what a magnificent thing Uh, it's it's been neat really to see that there's not just a single group of people that have a monopoly on kindness Um, I've really appreciated that
0: all right Katie and Seth Wick thank you so much for being on the show I appreciate it thank you
4: for having us yeah thank you my name
3: is Robin Bruton. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Carson Wealth in Amarillo.
0: Robin, what's the current status at Carson Wealth? I mean, just in terms of a workplace right now, what are, what, is, what are you and your team doing?
3: We are currently in what I'd call a bifurcated work status. We have about 40 employees here in our Amarillo office and we have about 10 of those stakeholders we've designated as uh, essential to be in the office on a day-to-day basis. The remainder of our stakeholders are working from home. Um, we're fortunate that almost all of our business functions are cloud-based and can be performed from just about any location. And almost all of our stakeholders already had laptops and were able to work re- to, um, Work remotely, so uh, uh, we're working here and at home.
0: Is is there any challenges with your business given that um, you know you uh, deal with securities and, and things like that? Are there any compliance issues that are a big deal when it comes to working from home or moving equipment, all of that?
3: <laughs> Jason, that's a great question. And as we began to plan how we were going to deal with the situation. Those, of course, were the first things on our mind. We wanted to protect our clients' data, you know, first and foremost. Um, All of the software we use, the equipment we use, of course, has uh, the most up-to-date security uh, software on it, and all of our cloud-based software has multiple authentication factors to reduce any security risks that we have as well as the um, custodians we use. We use TD Ameritrade and Fidelity. They have some of the best security in the world. So we're confident that dealing with those securities and trading that we do every day, that we're going to be fine. Um, so I feel really good about that. But that was one of the very first concerns that we dealt with as we put a plan in place.
0: Okay. So I don't I don't want to put you in a position of giving financial advice or anything like that. So say no to whatever question I ask. But I, I do want to know, given the market volatility and or volatility in your position advising clients, like what are the things that you and your team are communicating to people now?
3: So um, that's an interesting question, and uh, I've seen a couple of surveys that have been done over the last couple of weeks that have have clearly indicated that. People are more concerned about the markets and their money than about COVID nineteen, albeit only a little more so.
0: Okay.
3: Um, we've we've been reaching out to our clients for probably the last four weeks and discussing the markets as they've been declining. We've been in, you know, constant communications with our clients, reaching out to them to discuss um, the plans that we've done with them over the year to remind them that all of those planning scenarios we've done with them included market downturns. Um, we've reminded them that we continue to monitor their households, um, that they're invested where they need to be. Of course, with some of our clients, we've made some tweaks in, in where their money is, but for the most part, our clients are very, very calm And they know that the market will ultimately bounce back. And I think what's helped them more than anything is that regular conversation they have with us. Sometimes financial um, advisors—I don't want to say play psychologists with our clients—but they're that voice of reason that they are there to to remind our clients that that's exactly what we're doing with them. That we model these scenarios and we prepare you for this and you're in this for the long haul. So clients seem to be doing okay.
0: Okay. Robin, can you tell me a little bit about your, um, your past career? I understand that you have some disaster experience on your resume. Can Can you kind of walk me through just the briefest, you know, timeline of that?
3: Uh, sure, sure. Um, and I'll laugh because uh, people seem to find it fascinating. Um, most of my career has been in human resources. Uh, I've been through hurricanes Katrina and Rita, granted from a distance, but working in, in very large corporations where we were sort of the next state over from, uh, being affected by those hurricanes and having to be a major part of, of the prep work and the recovery pieces and helping people get back to work. Um, I've planned for tornadoes, floods, ice storms, heat waves, white U.K. If you're old enough to remember that, yeah. Um, so you, yeah, so uh, you know, just lots of disaster planning, recovery planning in my career, and, and COVID-19 really um, isn't that different from a, a disaster perspective. So uh, it's been very interesting to be in in this very. Um, what I would say, a small workplace with about 40 stakeholders and to have to deal with something that nobody's familiar with and, and to just sort of instinctively be able to say, okay, here are the things we need to think about.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, is, is there anything that you've learned that that maybe in that history that has informed you about the present moment or, or given you maybe a sense of calm that other people might not have?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, once the virus began to spread so rapidly, it really was just a matter of time before it was going to impact Amarillo and the high plains. So, uh, I'm grateful to work with a leadership team here at Carson Wells that was open to putting a, p- a plan in place early so that we could at least feel somewhat prepared and um, you know, one of the things that, that I was able to get them to do is, is first of all, stay calm about this. Everybody has to remain calm. Um, I heard a gentleman on a conference call the other day who said, um, it's never a good idea to be the last one to panic. And I really don't even want to be the first one to panic. So hmm. um, we've been able to keep everybody here very calm about it. We began our planning very early. Before, probably about three weeks ago, we had a policy in place. We had a plan, and we began to communicate that to our stakeholders very early. We wanted them to know what was ahead. We actually set our policy up to trigger, if you will, with different events. So this is what's going to happen if the schools have to close. This is what's going to happen if somebody here tests positive and so on so that they would know what was ahead and what was expected of them. Um, You know, we had this action plan in place. It wasn't perfect, and I don't think it has to be perfect, but people seem less concerned if they just know somebody in the organization is on top of it. And then, um, you know, I learned over time that you have to prioritize your actions and you have to know when it's time to go. You have to know when it's time to... To activate your your plan and move forward with it, and and that's what we've been able to do here at Carson.
0: Okay, one more question for you, Robin. What is giving you hope right now? What's what's fueling any kind of optimism that you have?
3: Uh, my faith always gives me hope. I, I really do believe God is in control of this, and um, you know it's it's crazy, but I I think His hand is on this. But I also have hope as i hear stories about people helping their fellow man you know whether it's people who are delivering food to those who don't have any or you know i'm hearing stories about workers being laid off but they're volunteering to continue to work just to help others or i have a friend in Kansas City who i saw on facebook she is sewing surgical masks out of bed sheets nonstop because the hospital's are out you know, it's amazing to hear the good that's coming out of such misery, and and those things give me hope. You know, it helps me keep faith in mankind.
0: Okay, Robin Bruton, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it.
3: Oh, thanks for having me. What a great set of stories you're telling.
0: And that concludes the show. First, I want to say thanks to everyone who carved out time on a Sunday afternoon for the interview and to Wick Realty for sponsoring the episode. And I do want to say this. Typically, I try to keep a dividing line between interviews and sponsors and, and to, to keep that from blending. But this is a unique time. Wick was scheduled to sponsor this episode. Katie and Seth were available to talk, um, and and I'm just kind of scrambling to get some of these interviews done. They were available, um, and so I'm breaking my own rules. I hope that's cool. Um, we're, we're just figuring this out as we go. Anyway, Angelina Marie put all these phone calls and interviews together. I really appreciate her help. If you are interested in the email newsletter, I'm still doing that. It's at bit.ly/slash hey newsletter. That's bit.ly. I'll do that every week. Talk about the episode talk about how I'm kind of putting together these phone interviews and how I do that Hey Morello is made possible each week thanks to the financial support of my executive producers Joshua Rafe, Jess Heredia, Wilson Lemieux, Jason Burr, Wes Reeves, Katie Linger, Neil Nossiman, Corey Burns, Ryan Pennington, Chris Jennifer Callahan, Patrick Burns, and Josh Wood this has been episode 131 my name is Jason Boyette stay safe stay home and love your neighbor.